That's in the Bible, episode number 17. What does it mean to be saved? Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saved from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians awake. Hello and welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name's Eric and I'm glad you've joined us today. I think we've got a really, really important uh, episode or lesson today that uh, Steve's going to be bringing us. So Steve's here, Matt's here, and um, how's everybody doing today? The gang is good. I'm doing good. We're doing great. The gang. And we uh, we all did get together over the 4th of July break and yeah, had some good food at Steve's house. He was the, uh, him and his wife and family, perfect host. And we had some good food. We had some can jam, which we talked about last time. Should we admit the results? I think we just need to keep moving now because we don't want to bog the show down with, yeah, un- with unnecessary... too much to sh- cover here. We don't want to bog the show down with unnecessary things. Losers. <laughs> Steve's such a gracious man. Uh, I just tell it like it is, I guess. We'll have yeah. to have a rematch. Yes, it was fun. And I got to send you those pictures, uh, especially your son, David. Flying, yeah. flying through the air. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, if it wasn't for Dave, we wouldn't have won. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I don't know about that. You guys were pretty good. But, man, was it uh, a little bit windy, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Very windy. I, anytime I have an outing where we have people over, whether it's a graduation or whatever, because I've had five kids, all five kids going through graduations, had enough uh, uh, parties over there at the house. It never fails. It's always windy when we have somebody over. Yeah, it was... Like a tornado, the frisbee would be up and down, and uh, it was hard to throw, hard to catch. That's my excuse, anyway. Well, it was unpredictable, that's for sure. It was. So, Matt, what do you have to say? Not much. I just have to continue on that and say they were on their own home turf, so they had a little bit of an edge. I can't believe this. You know, you're amazingly quiet, man. I'm telling you. You got got whooped, and you're really, really quiet. You got your tail between your legs now. We're using the wind and the home turf as our excuse. Right. Well, you know, it was pretty close. I mean, we played best two out of three, and it went down to the... The last game, all of the games were close, and uh, the last game finally uh, came down to, I think, well, we were a couple of points separating us, so uh, it was close. I'll give you that. It was close. That but is, it, it just didn't f- come through in the clutch, I guess. <laughs> it's a fun game, too, though. It gets you out, gets you moving. And it's good, yeah, amen. good exercise. I'm thinking about adding to the uh, webpage at thatsinthebible.com, maybe just like a little blog thing where we can put some of the, you know, different things like that we do with some photos and kind of off from the main page but you know one of the other pages that you could click on if you wanted to see more stuff like that we need to put up there too you know certain times when we can go over to steve's house like that the listeners can come over and play can jam at steve's house what do you what do you think about that Steve? we'll need need to post the address We'll post the address of steve's location and (laughs) (laughs) times he's available for can jam uh, there's probably some ringer out there that says, yeah, let me add him. Let yeah, me add him. Yeah, <laughs> probably is. 
All right. Anything else uh, we're supposed to talk about? Oh, I, one thing I do want to mention is that um, we have a new phone line. So for those folks that uh, don't want to or haven't been able to um, or don't want to take the time, I guess, to type in something and, and send us a question or a comment or even an audio clip, they can now call us. And the phone number is area code 716-584-1611. So 1611. So it's 716-584-1611. So give us a call on that. It's what you'll be connected to is a short, uh, brief message saying, you know, hello, this is that's in the Bible. And then, you know, the uh, ever-present beep, and you can leave your message or comment or whatever it is you like to say. And and uh, if it's something appropriate, we'll put it up on the show. Isn't technology wonderful? It's pretty amazing, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, other than coming by and picking you up and recording you, uh, it seems like we've got all bases covered. Yeah. And I think that would be pretty neat, too. I think it's it's awesome when we hear... Uh, listener feedback, you know, that they write it down and write it into us. But just to be able to hear somebody's voice also, I think that's going to be even more of a of, of a great tool for us to, you know, be a little bit uplifted, you know, about this. So yeah. that'd be real neat if somebody can call in or a bunch of you can call in and, and leave some comments and leave some feedback. And also, again, don't forget about uh, leaving, um, you know, some ideas about what we can cover that you, you would like to see covered that we haven't done yet. And I, th- I think we do get a mix from the people I've talked to, we get a mix of uh, people from lost people that are listening to um, people that have been saved. Um, there's a local pastor, um, Pastor Dewey Stewart, told me the, last night, as a matter of fact, that he listened to the uh, Doctrine of the Great Deep. Hmm. thought it was really good. He would said he'd heard it before from another fella, and, uh, but lost all the notes and everything. So when he saw that, he listened to it right away. And oh, great. He, he appreciated having it on there. And then I, the fellow that I've been working with, his name is Mike. Um, he's not saved, uh, has been listening. And actually, he's been asking, hey, can I come on and ask questions? And mm. so we're talking about maybe doing a show with Mike coming on and asking asking him questions. He, he asked me, he said, do you want to see the questions? I, do you want me to submit my questions to you ahead of time? <laughs> and I said, no, no, we're... We're we're serious about just answering your questions from the Bible and not having to like oh you know research them out for months in advance. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and go to our quote of the day, and uh, Matt's going to bring that to us. Are you ready to do that, Matt? I'm ready. All right. Well, here we are with the quote of the day. Well, the quote of the day comes from uh, a missionary uh, named C.T. Studd. Now, he was a missionary to uh, China, India, and Africa. And uh, what he said was, and I quote, If Jesus Christ be God, and I believe that he is, there is no sacrifice that I can make for him which shall be considered too great. Mm. And that's pretty amazing, isn't it? I mean, that kind of calls us all to be, uh, I think... uh, better Christians and, and to, to be more of, you know, servants. Yeah, I think well, that it just totally cuts down to the heart. <laughs> you know, I mean, Jesus Christ paid it all, you know, and, and we sing those hymns, you know, Jesus Christ, Jesus paid it all. Um, and, and just to, just to sing those songs and really get it down into your heart. I mean, sometimes I, I you know, you, you do forget about really what he's done for us and, and just, you know, God, the eternal God, you know, sent his only begotten son down on this earth, 
uh, to die for us, you know, and, and go through all the temptations yet without sin and uh, go through just all the suffering that he went through. And, and just for us to say, hey, you know, I, I can't, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can live this part of the Christian life or something like that. It just, you know, that, that kind of quote right there just makes you say, yeah, I mean, kind of almost wakes you up a little bit. You know, there's a different mindset. If I if I remember correctly, and, and Eric, you can probably uh, help me out with this, but I believe he was he lived uh, the late 1800s, early 1900s, and and uh, the mindset of that generation is a whole lot different than what we have today. I mean, you know, there was no sacrifice that was too great because of what Jesus Christ had done for him. You know, here we've got people that'll that won't come to church because they have a hangnail or they're too tired. <laughs> Or they've got a sniffle, you know, and and uh, they 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 can't make it to church, you know. They they stayed out too late on Saturday, so they can't get up for Sunday school and come to church, or they can't make it out to Wednesday night because they're afraid their kids aren't going to get enough sleep for, you know, to go to school the next day on Thursday, and you know, just all kinds of excuses that people give uh, for not coming uh, to church and assembling themselves or or serving him. You know, it, it, it goes in a, in a lot of different fashions, not just, let's say, church attendance, but, but, you know, being a witness for Jesus Christ. I mean, here, you know, somebody may, may laugh at me or, or somebody may mock me or, or talk evil of me or slam a door in my face or, you know, all kinds of reasons that we will give uh, for not, you know, be willing, being willing to, to endure something for Jesus Christ, you know. Paul said it. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But, you know, the first part of that, for me to live is Christ. Jesus Christ did it all for him, and therefore Paul left it all for God. I mean, whatever Paul went through, he did it because of the of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think of the, the verse there in Corinthians that says, for the love of Christ constraineth us. You know, it's because of Jesus Christ and our love for him that we do what we do. And or the lack thereof, the lack of love obviously dictates the the lack of of service for him. So, you know, God help us that we could get a little bit of that character and, and mindset of the last century missionaries and, and Christians and kind of infuse it into us so that we could uh, maybe endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, I was just looking at some of the stuff here about uh, C.T. Studd, and, and let's see, one of his um, quotes here, or as he's remembered, this is what they say about him, quote, his courage in any emergency, his determination never to sound a retreat, his conviction that he was in God's will, his faith that God would see him through, his contempt of the arm of the flesh, and his willingness to risk all for Christ. I mean, you know, would would be that something like that was written about one of us. I mean, that's just... Amen. That's, Amen. That's just amazing. Amen. All right. Well, we, I think, have maybe one of the most important uh, episodes or lessons that we've we've ever done with What Does It Mean to Be Saved, which uh, Steve's going to bring for us here in, a, in just a couple of minutes. And um, I, I, I would have to think that there has to be a lot of folks that have tuned in, particularly those that are not saved, that hear this term saved and, you know, 
wonder what it means and and uh, what does the Bible say about it. So Steve's going to go through that for us, right, Steve? Amen. All right. Anything else before we get to that lesson? Can't think of anything. I think that's it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do our lesson for the day. What does it mean to be saved? All right, guys, thanks. appreciate the opportunity. You know, from the podcast that we've been doing, if you go to our website and check out the uh, titles of the uh, podcast that we've done, you know, most of them are, are geared towards Christians. I know there's a couple of them, you know, uh, something to the effect, uh, can uh, good people go to heaven and, and things along that line. That's, that's a good uh, uh, podcast to listen to, and I encourage you to do so. But, uh, you know, from time to time on, on each of these podcasts, we give a little bit of time to, to try to get a little bit of a gospel message across and encourage those that may be listening that have never trusted Christ as their personal Savior. I mean, they may be religious. Uh, they may go to church. Uh, they may have a form of religion, but they don't know what it is to have the forgiveness of sins. And, and to be able to answer the question, if I were to die today, do I know for sure I'd go to heaven? Uh, so what I thought we'd do, and I prayed about it, and I had something else that we were going to do, and and uh, just uh, not really the last minute, but just you know towards the end of this this time when we were going to do this podcast, I just thought maybe it would be advantageous to have one uh, podcast dedicated to salvation and what it means. Uh, what does it mean for a person to to have eternal life? To know what it means to be saved, um, so that's where this this Bible study is coming from. I know a lot of our listeners are saved, but uh, as we've been uh, getting some input, uh, there are those that uh, are religious that are listening to our podcast that uh, maybe not don't have this issue settled, or maybe they're confused, or maybe they think they're all the same and religion and salvation is all the same thing. And I hope through this, uh, this podcast today that we might be able to differentiate that and make it clear. If you are saved, uh, listen along. There may be something here that you might be able to use in your own gospel witness. Uh, you know, this certainly isn't just a simple Romans road or anything like that. But uh, just want to give you some things that uh, would help uh, in a gospel witness or, or for those that maybe don't know for sure they're going to go to heaven when they die, how they can know that for sure. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to start off at, at the beginning with something that's really uh, elementary uh, and uh, just basically stating the fact that God is holy. And there's a reason for stating this, and we'll get to it. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm one of those logical people that have to do things in a logical order so that they make sense and it comes out <clears throat> right at the end. And uh, so I, I want people to be able to understand. I want people to be able to be clear of what I'm saying. So I, I'm starting out with the, with the premise that God is holy. If you'll take your Bible and turn to Isaiah chapter 57. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 57, take a look in verse 15, it says this, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, 
with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. It talks about God being holy. Holy means that there's no sin in him. He is pure and perfect. There's no uh, uh, sin or, or anything in God that would uh, make him wrong or, you know, he's never told a lie or anything along that line. So God is holy. He is pure. He is righteous. The Bible says in Psalm 99, verse 9, it says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. He is holy. In Habakkuk, that's one of the minor prophets, and uh, it'll probably take you too long to find it, but Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 13, it says this, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Now, that gives you an idea of, of, of God and who he is and, and what he stands for and what he believes. I mean, God in his, uh, his place in heaven, where the third heaven is, where God dwells, his eyes are so pure that he can't look upon evil. And he can't, can't even look upon iniquity. <clears throat> so, again, it gives you an idea of who God is and what he's like. Now, the nature of God's holiness is this. It's found in Job chapter 34. Job chapter 34. Take a look in verse 10 through 12. Therefore hearken unto me, ye men of understanding. Far be it from God that he should do wickedness, and from the Almighty that he should commit iniquity. For the work of man shall he render unto him, and cause every man to find according to his ways. Yea, surely God will not do wickedly, neither will the Almighty pervert judgment. Anything and everything God does is always right and always perfect. It's kind of hard for you and I to to get a grasp on that because we're we're human beings. We're we're frail. We're we're sinful. And it's hard for us to imagine someone who has never done wrong. But it says this in Psalm 145 verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. That's an amazing God. And that's the God who offers a plan of salvation. So I need for you to keep that in mind. God demands holiness. God demands holiness from you and I. He says in, in Leviticus chapter 20, Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 7, it says this, Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God. Now the command there, God gives uh, actually to the nation of Israel, but to every human being, is to be holy because God is holy. And that's, that's his demand. He demands holiness. He wants us to live as he lives, righteously, without any wickedness, 
not to pervert judgment. That's what he expects from us. Holiness is found in keeping the law. There's a lot of verses on this, and I don't want to take a long time, but I do want to read this one. Actually, a couple of them. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 1. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live and go in and out and and possess the land which the Lord God, uh, the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Now it talks about him giving the law and giving the statutes, and he wants them to do them that they may live and go in and out and possess the land which the Lord God gave their fathers. Now, along with that, if you'll, if you'll take a look in Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 7 and verse 12, Romans chapter 7 and verse 12, wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Now, God gave the law to the nation of Israel to give to the world. And he wanted them to, if you will use this word, proselyte the world. He wanted them to give the law to the world. And the law, according to God, is holy. His commandment is holy. And they're both just and they're good. And that is what he wanted us to live by. He wanted mankind in the Old Testament to live by that law. And that goes for the Ten Commandments. Uh, that is uh, not to take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Uh, that is to honor thy father and thy mother. Uh, that is to keep the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Uh, that is to not covet and so forth. All of those Ten Commandments, and, and to be honest with you, there, there are many, many more than just the Ten Commandments. But according to the Bible, God, or the man, is unable to keep that law. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, it says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, what I'm about to read to you now took place before that verse was quoted in verse 23. I want to go back to Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 19. And I want to read this to you, and, and, and when you listen to this, if you've not read the Bible and, and you don't much, know much about the Bible, you're going to say, man, this is very unflattering remarks of mankind. Uh, it, it's pretty rough, and it, and it tells man what God thinks of man. <clears throat> it says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, starting there, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. That's a grave. With their tongue they have used deceit. The poison of asps. That's a, a poisonous snake. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. 
destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. It says in another place that the law was the schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And what the law was to do, basically, was to show us that what sin is, and again, to show us that we are sinners. Now, again, that's kind of a hard saying, considering the modern philosophy of the, of the day is to be positive, is to put a positive spin on everything, and, and you're good, and you're okay, and God really wants you, and God loves you, and, and uh, you know, all of these positive things. But, you know, it's really, it's really rough stuff. We listen to this description, and we think <laughs> it describes everybody else but us. You know, we want to put everybody else into those things except ourselves. And really, the, the reality of it is, is that we need, to, we need to consider that we're fit that description that God just gave us. You know, what you need to do, you need to make it personal. Now, let me, let me ask you this. If you're listening to me, have you ever told a lie? Have you ever told a lie? If you have told a lie, what does that make you? Well, the honest answer to that is that makes you a liar. You know, sometimes people don't want to come to the truth of that. They want to excuse it away. They want to justify their actions and, and try to say, well, it's really not that bad. But what you are, if you tell a lie, is you're a liar. Let me ask you this. Have you stolen anything? I mean, even something simple. You know, a pack of gum from the store. Have you stolen anything? Well, I'm going to ask you again, what does that make you? Well, that makes you a thief. Uh, have you ever looked on a woman or, or looked on a man to lust after them? I mean, you know, some ladies looked at a, a movie star or whatever and, and considered him quite a hunk and kind of imagined some things. Or guys, have you done the same thing with a woman? You know what that makes you? If you've thought to do those things in your heart, you become an adulterer. Well, that's pretty rough stuff, but that's what Jesus said. Have you ever taken the name, God's name in vain? Now, that one's, you know, if you've lived in that lost world for any length of time, uh, you, you probably are guilty of that one. You know what that makes you? That makes you a blasphemer. I, you know, out of the Ten Commandments, I've just talked about four of them. And I dare say that those that are listening to my voice are guilty of all four. Probably a guilty of all ten. And if we go to the whole law that God gave to the Jews in the Old Testament that's supposed to be a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, well, we've probably broken a whole lot of them. But you realize it's not the amount of sin that you've committed? In fact, in James chapter 2, take a look at this now. 
In James chapter 2, in verse 10, it says this, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Now, do you realize what I've just said there? If you have told one little white lie, you're guilty of the whole law. Now, I've got a question for you. If you can admit that you are a liar and a thief and an adulterer and a blasphemer, if you can admit to that, let me ask you this question. If you were to stand before God right now, would you be innocent or guilty? Would you be innocent or guilty? Now, what I'm going to I'm going to suggest to you right now may sound a little strange. But I'm going to suggest that that you stop the podcast, put it on pause and think about this for a few minutes. Now, the reason why I want you to think about it is because of God's holiness. Because of God's holiness, God expects absolute perfection. And you've already admitted to some of these sins. Now, if you can't come to grips with that, then the rest of this is immaterial. You have to come to grips with the fact that you have sinned against God, even if you've just done one sin, which I doubt. But even if you've did one sin, you're guilty of it all. And if that's the case, you have a real problem. So if you stop the podcast and just think about it, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm an adulterer. I'm a blasphemer. If that's the case and I stand before God, I can't say that I'm innocent. I've got to be guilty. And if I'm guilty, I'm in a world of hurt. The reason why you know that is because most people that are out there that are, that are religious are living by those Ten Commandments. And it's not a matter of judging yourself against me. You probably do pretty good. You probably beat me. You're not judging against your neighbor. You're judging against the Holy One of God. You're judging yourself against the sinless, perfect Son of God, Jesus Christ. And you get into a scale with Him, and your good works and all that you think you're counting on, you think that they can outdo the righteousness of Jesus Christ? See, that's where you've got to stop and think. You really have to stop and think whether your righteousness is really going to be enough to get you to heaven. The Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 59. Take a look at it. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Now, as much as you have been taught throughout the years that by being a member of a denomination, 
or doing certain religious acts, whether it's trying to keep the Ten Commandments, keeping the golden rule, getting baptized, uh, taking communion, all of those things do not take care of the sin problem, and your sins separate you from God. And because of that, you've got a real problem. Remember the verse that I quoted about God's holiness? In Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 13, it says, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look upon iniquity. God cannot look on iniquity. He will not let sin enter into heaven. And therefore, a sinner cannot stand in the presence of God. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 3, the first part of that verse. It says, for the wages of sin is death. Now, what is mankind to do about the problem? What are you going to do about the problem? Can I give you the answer? Nothing. You can do absolutely nothing. God's redemptive plan excludes you and I. It rests solely on Jesus Christ and what he did for you and I. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 11. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. Uh, oftentimes we use this adage, uh, if you're not willing to be lost, Jesus Christ didn't come to save you. And if you're going to hold on to your religion, if you're going to hold on to your good works, then God can't save you because you don't consider yourself lost. You have to recognize that your righteousness is not good enough to merit heaven. Unless you're willing to do that, there's no hope. There is no hope. God's redemptive plan, as I said, rests solely on Jesus Christ. That's why the verse, uh, which most of you probably know, as soon as I start reading it, <clears throat> you'll recognize this verse, John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That redemptive plan is the fact that God sent his Son to do a work for you and I. It says in verse 17, the verse following, it says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Notice it wasn't God sent his son into the world to, not to condemn the world, but that the world through you might be saved. It's through Jesus Christ. If you're interested in knowing how Jesus Christ can save you from your sin, save you from hell, and save you from the wrath of God, I would invite you to continue to listen. If you're not really interested, then you might as well sign off because it's not going to do you any good. But if you come to the point where you recognize that your righteousness is not good enough, then there's a message for you. God's sa uh, salvation is a gift. 
The Bible says in that verse that I quoted just a moment ago, it says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice again, it, it's not through you. It's not through your efforts. It's through Jesus Christ. And notice again, it is a gift. It's not something that you earn. It's something that God gives you because of his love for you. And again, that gift that he gives is eternal life. Now, I want you to see again that there's only one way. There's not many roads to God. There's not many ways to God. There's only one way. It says in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, it says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. You don't go through a priest. You don't go through Mary. You don't go through a pastor. You don't go through your friend. You don't go through a church. There is only one mediator between God and men, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. Notice what this verse says. I'll read it to you. You can look at it later. But it says this in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. It says this, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Saved means having eternal life, being saved from sin, being saved from hell, being saved from the wrath of God. All of those things, we are free. We, are, we have escaped those things. And that's what God promises to do. And that promise to do that is through Jesus Christ alone. Now, again, I want to bring this back to your thoughts. The Lord God demands a perfect life and a perfect sacrifice. And unless you're able to do that, there is no hope for yourself in your own effort. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Take a look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. God the Father says this. He says, For he, God the Father, hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I like to liken it this way, and I often use a visual uh, illustration, but picture my left hand as being uh, my sins, and picture my right hand being the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And God says he's willing to give me his righteousness if I will give him my sins. It's a gift, remember? And so all I need to do is say, Lord, you take my sins, and he will give me his righteousness. I'll explain that a little bit further when we get down to the end. But God is willing to make a swap. He will take your sins, and he will give you 
his righteousness. Let's look at that verse again. <clears throat> in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He was that perfect sacrifice that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, not ourselves. Now, that again, I, I just want to reiterate, therefore, that any attempt by man to earn his own way is fruitless. There's a verse that's used often in describing this. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, <clears throat> and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, it's not our own efforts. It's the grace of God that saves us through faith. Faith, and it's not of works. If it was of our own works, we'd have whereof to boast in heaven. And Jesus Christ's death and burial and resurrection would all be in vain. Notice what it says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 28. Romans chapter 3 and verse 28. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Any attempt at keeping the law Keeping the Ten Commandments for salvation is not necessary. It's not necessary. It's not of our works. It's God's work. Uh, for us trying to keep the, the Ten Commandments and so forth, that is not part of God's redemptive plan. <clears throat> salvation is through the blood of Jesus Christ which pays the penalty for our sin and can establish a new relationship with our Creator. Take a look in Romans chapter 5 and verse 9. Romans chapter 5 and verse 9. Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. It also says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now this isn't the, the water, wine, uh, blood uh, thing in the communion. This has nothing to do with the sacrament of communion. This is talking about the actual literal blood of Jesus Christ, and that can forgive us of our sins. To have eternal life, you must receive Christ as a gift. Take a look in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1 and verse 12. The Gospel of John, chapter 1 and verse 12. It says this, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, it talks about receiving him. Again, I'd like for you to use your imagination and, and picture, if you will, the Christmas time, and there is a bright red package with a gold bow on it, and it has your name on that, 
on that card, on that ticket. And as long as you sit in your seat and never receive that gift to yourself, you don't have the gift. It's not yours. The only way that you can receive it is get up from your seat, go and grab that gift, and open it and receive it to yourself. And that's the same thing with Jesus Christ. Just knowing him or knowing about him isn't enough. It's receiving him. It's believing his sacrifice is sufficient to pay for your sin. Notice what it says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. It's a heart faith. It's a heart. Your heart must believe by faith, not the mind, but the heart. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It is heart belief that makes the difference. There are millions of people out there that believe in Jesus Christ in their head. They've heard about him all their life. They say the Apostles' Creed. They say the Our Father. They go to church. They hear sermons about him. But they've never made it personal by receiving him in their heart, believing with their heart. And that is the difference between heaven and hell. It's just about 18 inches from the head to the heart. Now, all of these things I've talked to you about, hopefully if there's something that is unclear to you, I'd like for you to, to go back and listen to it again. And if it's still unclear, give us a, give us a call or, or uh, give us an email and, and allow us to be able to converse with you that we might be able to make these things clear. Now, if you would like to have your sins forgiven and receive God's gift of eternal life, the question I have for you is this. Are you willing to accept God's terms? And what I mean by that is stop trusting your works. Stop trusting your religion. I'm not talking about making you anything else. I'm talking about you and your eternal soul. Are you willing to accept God's terms? If you are, the best way you know how, confess that you're a sinner to God. Confess that Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross and his shed blood are the only payment for sin. And then ask Jesus Christ to save you and to give you eternal life. If you do that, the best way you know how, God will meet you. According to God's word, if you'll take your Bible and go to, go to 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, and verse uh, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life, 
and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, if you've done that, if you've prayed that some prayer the best that you know how and asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save you, we'd love to hear about that. We want to pray for you. And if we can, we'd like to give you some information that might help you a little bit further on in your Christian life. But let us know, either through the phone number or through email, something. Let us know. Let us have the opportunity and the privilege of helping you. What does, what does it mean to be saved? It means to have your sins forgiven. It means to be free from the wrath of God. It means to know that you're not going to go to hell when you die, but rather that you're going to be with God and live with him forever. I urge you, I beg you, I plead with you to consider these things and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior before it's too late. The Bible says this, how can we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Thanks, guys, for the opportunity. I appreciate it. All right, Steve. Well, thank you very much. Uh, that was uh, that was a good lesson. I think maybe one of the most important ones we've done here yet. Yeah, amen. 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 Yeah, and it's, it's just, uh, <clears throat> you know, I've been hearing it so many times just in the past few weeks about just the trade, you know, that especially that I've made, you know, as accepting Christ as my Savior uh, four years ago. Uh, just, just actually accepting Christ as my Savior, you know, and knowing for sure that I'm going to heaven. I mean, he's taken all of my sin, and I've taken upon all of his righteousness, you know. I mean, it, and when you look in the, uh, look in the Bible, I mean, some, some amazing things that I've seen, uh, like I said, just in the past couple weeks, um, that we have a curse on us. If you're not saved, if you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, uh, one thing that I want you to look at is, uh, is look in Deuteronomy with me real quick. And when you look here, you know, we hear people say all the time about, you know, superstitions and, you know, they think they're going to have a curse on them, whatever. Well, look, look at what the Bible says here in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26. It says, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse, a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. So God says right here, listen, if you can keep all the commandments, you know, like like uh, Brother Steve was just talking about there, if you can keep all the Ten Commandments, uh, plus all the other commandments that God gave to the Jews, uh, then you're okay. You know, you'll have a blessing. But uh, if you can't, you've got a curse before you. And uh, the amazing thing is, is, is at the end of the Old Testament there, the last word of the Old Testament is a curse, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, I heard somebody say it before that, you know, there's 39 books in the Old Testament. Now, 13 is, you know, that, that, uh, that number that everybody says, oh, you know, Friday the 13th, stuff like that. Well, if you do three times 13, that equals 39. That's 39 books uh, uh, in the Old Testament here. And again, the, old, the last uh, word in, uh, in the Old Testament is a curse. And that's what you're on. I mean, the Old Testament really is a curse if you're not saved. And, and, it, and it truly, you know, that's why, like Brother Steve said, the Bible says that the, that the Bible is uh, the law as a schoolmaster to bring us on to Christ. It shows us that we're under a curse, that we can't mm-hmm. keep the Old Testament laws. And uh, what a blessing, though, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 the Bible says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, yep. being made a curse for us, 
For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And just, you know, what amazing, you know, promises that is, that, that here we were, we were sold under sin. You know, we were, we were servants of sin, and uh, we, were, we were under a curse. And here Jesus Christ comes. And what did he have? He, uh, he hung on a tree, which again, we just saw right here, is cursed any, anybody that hangs on a tree. And also he had that one curse that came up from the ground with Adam and Eve, uh, a crown plated with thorns. You know, that's, mm. that was a curse on the ground. So right there, you see that Christ becomes a curse for us and sets us free if we accept him as our Savior. And, uh, you know, praise the Lord for that. Amen. 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 And I, I am glad it's not a series of rules and regulations and things that you have to do because there's no end to that sort of stuff. I mean, you, you'll, you'll never know if you're doing enough. You'll never know. You know, it'll be back to the old kind of the lost person's view, you know, as my the good works that I've done, will they outweigh the bad? You know, it's, Mm -hmm. there's no peace. There's no security in any of that. There's actually a verse that I just uh, wrote down just the other day coming into mind when you say that, uh, Eric is uh, Hebrews chapter four. And you look in verses nine through 10, it says, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God for he that is entered into his rest. He also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Right. I mean, you know, when, when you accept Christ as your Savior, and you don't have to work, try and work your way, you know, keeping the Ten Commandments and all that kind of stuff to get to heaven. You've got to rest now, knowing for sure you're going to heaven. Amen. 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 Well, thanks, Steve, again for bringing us that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, any thoughts on what we're going to be doing next time? I think who's up next? I think that's Matt. Yeah, I don't have any idea yet what I'm doing. I've got a whole bunch of stuff uh, planned out um, that I could do, so I'm not going to say anything yet because it'll be a whole long list I'll be listening off that I've got to pick from. And at some point, we do need to respond. Um, I know we'll put an answer up on the website to the last uh, message that we got on the website in response to what is Mary's place in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So That's right. we can talk about that next time. And uh, But in the meantime, I'm sure there'll be an answer up. So we want to thank you to, uh, and again, keep those comments and, as Matt had said, mentioned earlier, suggestions coming, things that you'd like to see for the podcast, questions that you have. If, uh, in fact, you did say a prayer tonight and you did ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, we ask you to, to get, let us know. We, we, there's Amen. some information that we can send you that'll help you to get you on your way. Amen. All right, anything else for the good of the cause? Uh, just uh, just keep going on. You know, I mean, the Lord's coming back soon, and, and what a blessing it'll be to uh, be found faithful. You know, don't don't Amen. give up. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you next time. Amen.
This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at thatsinthebible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on.